You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Um, As the announcement video said, we are opening a new series called Who's That Lady? Now, this is not just topics for women, so this next month is not going to be like just for girls and the guys are going to stay home. This is lessons from the life of these women, and um, we're going to hit four amazing women in scriptures, and it did some incredible things. But today, since it is Mother's Day, we thought it would be fitting to talk about the ultimate mother, the mother of Jesus, Miss Mary. We are going to talk about Mary, and we're going to take some lessons from her life. Now, all of us probably in this room have heard the nativity story, right? The story where Jesus is birthed every Christmas. We read the, the story to our children. We watch the movie. We, could, we probably even have baby Jesus at home in that manger, right? We know that story. But today we're going to take some lessons I think for the, from the perspective of Mary and what that would have been like for her. And so we went to the book of Luke because Luke um, gives a more detailed version of her side and how it all went about. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to open it to Luke 1, whether it's a shiny Bible or a paper Bible, you know. Luke 1, and if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to, we're going to, talk, we're going to have six, this is three, three plus three, six lessons um, from the life of Mary. Okay, just to kind of give you an overview of what it's going to look like. Six lessons from the life of Mary. We're going to start at Luke 1. And Mary's story actually starts with her relative, Elizabeth. Mary's story begins there. Six months prior to Mary having any idea what was about to happen in her life, we cue in Elizabeth. And that is found in Luke 1, verse 5 through 7. It says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So this is lesson one. Lesson one for us is this. God is already working on your miracle before you even know it's coming. See, six months to the idea, to even knowing what was going to happen or any conception of what was, was going to happen in Mary's life, Elizabeth, right, who had not been able to have children If you read a little bit further along in Luke, it tells the story of how she came to conceive and she was now pregnant. Elizabeth's story is instrumental instrumental in Mary's life. Elizabeth's miracle directly correlates to Mary's miracle. And I want you to consider this morning that God is already working in your life. That maybe your miracle is is in Elizabeth's stage. That maybe your miracle is intertwined with someone else's. And so God is preparing the way and working it out there first. Maybe you're praying for a husband or a wife. But God really has to work in your husband or your wife. Because if you marry them now, good luck. 
right? Maybe that has to happen first before your miracle comes about. Maybe you're praying for something much more simple. You're praying that your life would matter. You're praying for a sign for something that God would show you what his plan and what his purpose is for your life. But really, God is still trying to get rid of some stuff that are in the way before he can reveal to you the way. Maybe you're still in Elizabeth's stage. So if we keep on going, so lesson one is God is already working on your miracle, you know, before you know it's coming. Then we keep on reading. We read in Luke that Gabriel visits Zechariah and tells him that his wife Elizabeth um, is going to be pregnant. And so we pick up here in, um, we know she's going to be pregnant. So we pick up in Luke 1. It will make, it will probably help you later. If I read the whole thing, it's very long. It'll probably help to um, tie the pieces together if if you go home today and just read Luke 1 and 2. But we pick up on Luke 1, uh, verse 26 through 34. And this is Gabriel now visiting Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. Now, we've all heard the story, right? Here's lesson number two for us. It is normal to have questions when God invites you into a new journey. Right? Oftentimes, God will whisper something into our ear or will drop something in our heart. And immediately we go, huh? How is that even possible? I must be crazy. I am imagining this. But you know what? It is normal for when God says something or he whispers something into your ear for you to have more questions than answer or even look at it and think it is impossible. Just impossible. See, I have a friend. Most of you probably know her here, Mari. And about two and a half years ago now, God was speaking to her and guiding her life. And he was t- she was taking new directions in her life. And God asked her to give, her, give him three years of her life to not date um, and to just focus her mind and energy on not building a relationship, but building her relationship with him. And if you ask Mari, when he asked her to do that, she thought, you are crazy. Because for for most of her adult life, she was always in a relationship with someone. Why? Well, she never wanted to be alone. She didn't want to be alone. The feeling of loneliness actually pretty much scared her a lot. And so you know when you have this, I I have to be connected with someone. Otherwise, you feel like you have to be alone with your thoughts and your ideas. And it's lonely, right? But God was asking her to step into the to release and to surrender and to processing and to getting rid of some stuff and habits and ideas and thoughts that she would very much say, man, it has been the last thing in the world it's been is lonely. The Lord has been so present. But when he asked her to do it, she had more questions than she had answers. What is this going to look like, God? And being the person that she's not, doesn't like control at all, um, she was like, 
you know, what do I even do here? So it is normal to have questions. Questions will come to all of us. But maybe God is inviting you to start something. Maybe God is inviting you to start a business. Maybe God is inviting you to end a relationship. Maybe God is inviting you to start tithing. Maybe God is inviting you to give your life to him. And you go, I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, it's okay. It's okay to not fully understand. It's okay to have more questions. Mary had more questions than she had answers. I'm a virgin. How in the world is that going to happen? Right? So that's lesson number two. Lesson number three, we, go, we keep going. And the reply that the angel said to her is in Luke 135. The angel replies and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High I need to switch. We'll overshadow you. Thank you, sir. Better? Okay. Devil's a liar. No, I'm kidding. Um, The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So lesson number three from Mary's life, you will never have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit is always involved. I think one of the most reassuring things of this journey with God is the fact that we don't have to do it alone. One of the most reassuring things is that there is a presence, a person, the person of the Holy Spirit that walks with us and helps us and guides us in this new journey. No matter what God is calling you into, he is not asking you to figure it out. That is not what he is asking. He is asking you to say yes. He is inviting you into something. He is not asking you to make the way he makes the way. It is incumbent upon you only to say yes. And you must say yes or no. That is on you. You get to say no. You also get to say no. The Holy Spirit is the gift that God gives us on our journey. And he remains with us and he guides us through all the steps. And so it is really important to understand that it is the Holy Spirit who does it, not us. So that was lesson number three that that I've learned from Mary is that the Holy Spirit would always go with us. Then we keep reading Luke 1, 35 through 38. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby... So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. What's more, your relative, Q and Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you say, you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You see, she responds, I am the servant, let it be as you said. Lesson number four though here is I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. She is a young lady in a culture where having a child out of wedlock, she's not married, she is uh, promised to a man. She is in a culture where having a, a child out of wedlock is serious stuff. Like this is grounds for disinheriting. This is... You know, it's one of the worst things as a young woman that you can do in that culture at that time. Now, mind you, this is not even Joseph's kid, the guy that she's promised to. 
This is Mary walking up to Joseph and telling him, I'm pregnant. By whom? By God. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? He either thinks she lost her mind or he leaves her. And the Bible tells us in a different gospel that he had decided in his heart that he was going to leave her. Right? So Mary is receiving this news from the angel. We don't know what the time between her receiving this news and God speaking to Joseph was. It could have been hours. It could have been days. It could have been months even. We don't know what that timeline is. Imagine being a young lady now on the brink of losing everything, being shunned and left alone. Her life was like set. It had a path. It was looking good. She was going to be married. She had all these things coming her way. And all of a sudden, God steps in, changes the entire narrative, and it's not a good one in the sight of man. Right? I want you to place, think about that. And our lesson number four is the assignment will cost you something. Every assignment the Lord gives us will cost us something. Sometimes everything. It will cost you something. And let me ask you, if what has, have you considered what God has asked you to do? Have you considered what that is going to cost you? Have you counted the cost? Have you considered that maybe it will cost you something? It's likely that it will cost you some relationships. It's likely that you'll have to leave some people behind in order to achieve what God is calling you to achieve. It's likely that the people around you won't understand and won't encourage you. It's likely. It's likely that you will be criticized for making that decision. You will be criticized for deciding to stay a virgin before getting married. You will be criticized for deciding to give your money into this place where you could be doing other things with it. You will be criticized for, criticized for deciding to go to bed early because you have to wake up early because you're going to spend time with Jesus in the morning. So you'd rather not go out with some people at night, but you want to wake up and, you know, be, spend time with God. You will be criticized for these decisions. You will have to. It will cost you in some way, shape, or form. But I want, I want, to, I want you to notice that the cost versus benefit in the kingdom of God is a tricky math. The benefit is always higher. The benefit, what God is able to do with what we surrender to him and what God often does in a life that is willing to pay the price far surpasses whatever the reward was for what you gave. Does that make some sense? Like it far surpasses the night out with the friends that you missed. It far surpasses the, you know, new iPhone you wanted to buy, but you decided to invest your money in a different place. It far surpasses. But there is a cost. And you have to make the decision. I, I want to remind you that anything that's worth anything, like a gold medal costs what? It costs time, sacrifice, dedication, right? Training. That's what a gold medal costs. A marriage costs, a good marriage costs you time, dedication, sacrifices, intentionality. A good marriage costs you. 
a good job costs you. If you want to have a job that impacts and change the world or that does something, it's going to cost you time, dedication, get the drift. Things that matter cost. And it's no difference in the kingdom of God. The calling in your life, if it's going to be worth something and if it's going to matter, it's going to cost. And it ought to. Because you're giving your life to something that changes other people's lives. So it will cost. Now we keep going. Um, the next thing, Elizabeth is back in the story. And the next thing we notice in Luke 1, 39 through 45. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry, exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that God would do what he said. I love this passage. So God tells her, hey, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. And Mary, we, again, we don't know the time that she was alone and she was trying to figure out what to do next. Remember her state of mind. I can assume, and I'm sure you can too, that Mary at one point was like, what did I just sign up for? Right? Think about it. Like, she said to the angel, let it be done so. But can you imagine the hours, the time? Because we always like get in our head after, right? And you're like, what did I just... Oh my God, what do I do? What do I sign up for? What, what, you know, is, is Joseph going to believe me? What is going to happen? So Mary goes to the house of Elizabeth, right? She goes to the house where God has performed another miracle. Now, lesson number five, God often confirms his invitation through someone else. He go, she goes to Elizabeth's house and the first thing Elizabeth sees her and goes, the Lord is with you, oh blessed woman. She speaks into her life. She prophesies over her. That's what happens. She speaks life into her. So I can imagine Mary feeling confused. And did I really hear what I hear? Am I really going to get pregnant? What is really going to happen? I have a million questions. What is going on? She walks into Elizabeth's house and Elizabeth confirms everything that God had said to her. Isn't that amazing? God uses people, ordinary people like you and I, to confirm what he has already spoken into someone's life. Now, why he chooses to use people is beyond me. He could, you know, use anything. A donkey. We know he does. Um, but he chooses to use people. And so oftentimes when God speaks to you, look for the confirmation. He will use someone else to confirm what he has said, to lift you up, to, you know, to bring your spirits up. Someone for you to be with that will encourage you in the journey. God is so kind that he will get somebody in human form like us ourselves. We need that. We need that. We need, it's really hard to do things alone. It's really hard to have this dream and this passion and this idea. And then you find yourself going, no one understands me. No one is getting what I'm getting. No one's seeing what I'm seeing. It's really hard. And God in his infinite kindness will send somebody to confirm and to speak life over you. And to tell you that God is in it. Elizabeth prophesied. But with that thought in mind, I want you to think about this for a minute. 
Your relationships matter. They matter because are the people around you, the people that you go to when you're feeling down and when you're doubting and when, you know, the things that got spoken over you is taking a while and you don't know if this is really going to happen or not. And who do you hurriedly go to? And when you go to them, what are they saying? Are they encouraging you or are they telling you, you are crazy? Are they encouraging you or discouraging what you have in your heart? Are they the ones saying, you know what, if God said it, it will be? Or are they saying, yeah, you know, maybe you got it wrong. Maybe that's not really it. Maybe, 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 maybe you should try something else. Who you keep on your corner will make or break many things in your life. Make sure that when God speaks to you, you, and you need a little bit of encouragement, because you will, you're hurriedly going to a place where they will speak life over you, where they will speak encouragement. And if you don't have anyone, I'm going to take a minute this morning and say it to you. You are a child of God. You have been called and you have an assignment. Okay, you have been placed in this season, in this time for a purpose. It is not an accident that you were born, whether you were an accident or not to your parents. You are no accident to God. He has a plan. He has equipped you and is equipping you for what is ahead. So let me be the one then to say it to you if you haven't heard it in a while. Yes, he is in your life. Yes, he's going to make it happen. Yes, he is going to make a way when it looks like there is no way. Yes, he can do the impossible because anything is possible in his hands. So if you, have, if you are doubting, let me help you this morning. Our timelines don't work. <laughs> his ways are higher than our ways. It may look different than you expected. It may not be what you thought it was going to be. It may be crazy and foolish to the world. But the Bible says that the foolish things, that God's things look foolish to the world, right? And he uses the foolish things to shame the wise. So our wisdom are really not, is not that accurate at times. So that is, um, what, what lesson was I in? Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's some lesson five. That was lesson five. Okay, now for the final lesson, I'm not going to read it because it's kind of long. But if you keep looking, following along in Luke 1 and Luke 2, basically what happens is Elizabeth has the baby. She later names him John the Baptist. Some of us might have heard this. He is the one that prepares the way for the Lord as it pertains to ministry. Then Mary has the baby. Now, Mary, in the most ordinary and unexceptional possible way, has a baby, right? And she names him Jesus, as God called. Then shepherds appear, and there's a star involved, and then there's, like, presents being brought, and, you know, people appearing at the stable. Like, all this stuff is kind of happening, but nothing, you know, okay. But then she has a baby. And what do babies need? Food. Shelter, love, clothes. Need, a baby needs to learn to eat. Baby needs to learn to walk. Baby needs to learn to talk. It's a baby. A baby needs care, right? 
the most ordinary everyday thing. Nothing miraculous about this. He's a baby and he needs to be taken care of. And there's lesson number six. The miracle sometimes looks ordinary. Steward the ordinary. The miracle in your life may show up as ordinary, everyday, mundane things we need to do. And it feels very unspecial. That's not a word, but it, it feels really or, just ordinary. Like it's so ordinary, it doesn't, it's just like doing it every day almost feels monotonous. And okay, here I am again, changing another diaper. And it's just another diaper. It's just another day. It's just another project. It's just another task. It's just another whatever. The mistake we make is to think that God is not in the ordinary. The mistake we often make is that we don't realize that God builds foundations. And when God is building something, the foundation matters. And so you are not born like Jesus. Jesus was not born a rabbi. He was born a baby. And he grew in stature and knowledge. And he dedicated his life day in and day out to growing and to learning scriptures and to becoming versed and to arguing scriptures. And we know that when he was 12, he was found in the temple doing what? Wrestling with the scriptures and teaching and learning and learning from other people and rabbis. He grew in, into his ministry, right? God is doing the same thing in our lives. You can't run before you learn to walk. You can't own a business if you don't know how to save money, right? You can't be a doctor until you get the training in school. There are steps involved, and God is very, very, very much um, in that ordinary everyday step. What you, step. What you do every day matters. It matters because you're building a foundation of what? Of integrity. You're building a foundation of knowledge. You're building a structure for what he is calling you into. So the ordinary everyday steps, steps are necessary. They're necessary to sustain the miracle. They're necessary so that you don't break in the process. If God were to pluck you out of here and place you here, chances are you would crumble. Because you don't have the muscle strength to withstand what's coming. So the ordinary, everyday, step by step, breath by breath, minute by minute, the walking, the journeying, the wrestling, the doubting, then the finding, the chasing, the seeking, all of that, that ebb and flow of a relationship with God, it matters. All of it matters. Because God is in the ordinary details. One final little thing, one final little bonus lesson, it's a half lesson that I got from her. It was found in Luke 2.19. And it says, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Let this be a reminder to us all that even Mary, with the Son of God in her arms, had to remind herself what God had spoken. With Jesus in her arms, 
she had to remind herself who he was going to be. Let this be a lesson to us that we need to do the same when God speaks something into our lives. We need to remind ourselves of what he spoke. What he spoke. We need to keep it close in our heart. We need to keep it the little and the big things and remember it and often all the time. We can get lost in our assignment. We can forget what he said with everything that we have to do in life and busyness and the work involved. We can easily, and I think one of the most detrimental things for a human being is the loss of purpose. I really do. Because when we lose purpose, we lose sight of the why we're doing things. And then it just becomes tasks. And then you don't even know why you're doing these tasks anymore. And then it's like you, you can get so far gone from what you were supposed to be doing and the why you were doing that it just doesn't even make sense anymore. And all of a sudden you just quit. Because it gets hard. And nobody likes hard. Everybody just wants to sit down and sip coffee and get some chocolate. I mean, come on. Even if you don't like coffee and chocolate. You know, you, you know, you know the idea? <laughs> we all... Just, we want easy, right? And when we forget our purpose, when we forget the why we're doing what we're doing, we tend to make decisions that are, that are foolish and we throw away caution. And so it's really, really, really important, guys, because let me tell you this, there will be lag time. There will be. It's guaranteed. From, the, from what God promised to the completion of the promise, from baby Jesus to crucified Jesus, even from crucified Jesus to resurrected Jesus, there's lag time. There's always lag time. And there will be lag time in our lives. And the way to get through lag time is to keep the things that he said close to your heart. To remember the words he's spoken. And then remember the confirmations. And remember the gifts he sent along the way. And remember the shepherds that came to visit. Remember along the way he will send you reminders. And you keep those things. And you store those things in your heart. You keep them close. So that when you're in a, a day or an hour when it's just tough. You have the words. You have the memories to encourage you. Keep them close in your heart. So I want to ask you this morning, what has God said to you? What is your miracle? And can you take any of these lessons and apply them this week? Can you take any of these lessons and apply them to this journey that you're in? It's a journey with Jesus. right? There's no like final destination. I arrived. I'm holy. I'm done. It's a journey, and we walk this out every day. And I hope that these lessons from Mary, somebody who was with Jesus from like day, hour one, right? I hope that these lessons will encourage you to know that when God speaks, right, he will confirm it. It's okay for me to doubt. It's okay for you know, me to wrestle with it. I, you could keep everything close to your heart and actually achieve what he has designed you and called you to achieve. Amen? Amen. If you wouldn't mind closing your eyes. The first step 
in this, from these lessons and from all of this, is to know that God is your Lord and Savior. Because if he is not a part of your life, um, it becomes a little more difficult to have the presence of the Holy Spirit and to remind you, you know, of what he's spoken. The word spoken has to come from somewhere. It has to come from a relationship with him. So every service we give this opportunity that if you don't have a relationship with God, if you, you would say, you know what, I'm here because I felt like I needed to be here, but I don't really pray and I don't really have a conversational relationship with God. And all you're saying sounds good, but doesn't sound real. I want to tell you this morning that it is. A relationship with God is real and it's active like this. And it is a talk. It's a conversation that you have with him and he has with you. So if you don't walk this, if you don't live this, if this is not part of your story, but you'd like it to be, you'd like it to be a part of your story, would you raise your hand so I can see you? I see you. One, two. I see you. Three. I see you. So this is what we're going to do today. It's between you and God, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. But can I tell you, before you pray, know that what you're saying is, God, I want to walk with you. That's what you're saying. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, and I want you to be my guide. And so if as you pray this prayer, start something, start a relationship. Like, think of it as your first text with heaven here. It's your first conversation. Continue the conversation with God let's all pray together say dear Jesus I want to walk with you forgive me of my past of all the decisions I made alone I want to make them from now on with you would you guide my steps would you be with me and help me to make decisions with you. In your name I pray. Amen. But what that does is the beginning of a relationship. We encourage you to do three things. One is read scriptures. Read the Bible. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all about Jesus. It's the story of what Jesus came to do. Read about him. How do you have a relationship with someone if you don't know them? That's how you know them, right? You get to know them. So get to know Jesus, this person you are beginning this relationship with. He will speak to you through those words. He will guide your steps through those words. The second thing we encourage you to do is pray because you have to talk to the person. Otherwise, you're not building a relationship. So pray. Does it have to be a long, elaborate prayer? No, but speak to him. Say what's in your heart. Share your thoughts your ideas, what's going on. And the third thing is we invite you to come back to church as often as you can. Why? Because this is something that's done better with people. It's hard to do things alone. And God has built a community to say, hey, I want you to be in this community so that I could speak to you and you can wrestle with scriptures and I can confirm it and we can do this together, right? When we come together, it is much better. The walk gets easier. It, it sinks in. We're like, oh, okay, now I get, you know. When you watch God do it some, in someone else's life, we go, if God could do it for them, maybe he could do it for me too. Right? There's encouragement. There's life in the company of other believers. So we ask you to commit your life to coming to church. Commit one year. I guarantee you that if in one year your life hasn't changed, 
Like JD likes to say, we'll give you the money that you never gave back. Right? But come. We'd love to be a part of this journey with you. Now JD is going to close the service, but it's an honor to be with you every Sunday. And I do hope we get to build a different kind of community here in Stanford. I, we were talking yesterday, and I do want to point this out. We were talking about the things that God has done in this community. And one of the things that we could genuinely say is that God has built a place where it's safe to be yourself. You're safe here. I say that whatever you've done, whatever has happened in your life, whatever is currently happening in your life, this is a safe place. Safe because God is here. Safe because we don't care where you've been. We care about where you're going. And we care to do this together. So whatever's going on in your life, we just want you to know from your pastors to you, this is a safe place to be. And you can be you anytime you want. We love you. And he's going to close the service.